Hey, everybody. Man, I welcome each one of you. I thank God for you. I love you. Uh, if you're here with us for the first time, man, we're delighted. And, and for all of us, all of you, I have one question. Are you presently suffering the painful negative effects of doom scrolling? Maybe you haven't even heard of doom scrolling, even if you've done it. Here's Webster's uh, definition. Doom scrolling is the tendency to continue to scroll through bad news, even though that news is sad, disheartening, or depressing. I mean, this is serious business. A recent article in the New York Times said this, doom scrolling increases our anger and anxiety. So as we just, without self-control, go through our phone or iPad or computer and read story after story, even if the stories make us mad, even if the stories make us sad, even if the stories increase our anxiety or despair or even depression, that's doom scrolling. And maybe you're like, whoo, boy, I'm glad I'm not addicted to my phone or iPad or computer like some people. Well, here's the deal. Same thing happened to me just by watching TV news. That's why I don't watch news anymore. But if you surf the news and you watch the sad stories, the stories that make you mad, the stories that make you anxious, the same detrimental doom scrolling effect is happening to you. So, here's my helpful su- uh, uh, suggestion. Unplug your device or your TV and plug into the promises of God. Because the promises of God give joy and hope. They take away sadness. They relieve us of our anger or anxiety. And I've heard, I've read that there are over 7,000 promises of God. Promises for our finances. Promises for our families. Promises for our parenting, our marriage, our friendships. Promises for our, promises for our emotions. Here's what the Word of God says. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. So the essential nature of living in the promises of God is getting to yes with Jesus. There are two essential elements to living in the promises of God. Here's essential number one, unwavering faith gets you to yes. Jesus is the yes to every promise of God. Every promise for your finances, every promise for your family, your friendships, your feelings. And so it's your unwavering faith in your relationship with Jesus that gets you to yes to the miraculous promises of God. Let me just show you. Remember uh, the day in the life of Jesus when in just a matter of hours, people encountered him with three different painful impossibilities. And each time it was their unwavering faith that got them a yes from Jesus and a miracle of God. Check it out. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. This is a statement he made to a woman who had been painfully ill for 12 years. And then a second person, a dad whose daughter had died, Jesus says to the dad, don't be afraid, just have faith. And that man's faith, that dad's faith, got his daughter raised miraculously from the dead. And here's number three, 
just within a matter of hours, in a day in the life of Jesus, he says, you will have what your faith expects. And boom, a miracle is granted. A yes is granted. And the same is true for us. Our lives become what our faith expects. So what is your faith expecting? Well, here's essential number two. Unshakable hope gets you to, yes, in addition to the unwavering faith, it's unshakable hope. Not here today, gone tomorrow hope. Not hope that runs away in the face of difficulty or struggle, but hope that hangs in there no matter what. Here's what the Word of God says. We know that His promises will never change. If, it, if it's stated in the Word of God, it lasts, it, it endures forever. We know His promises will never change. This is where we find his strength. We find God's strength for our struggles in his promises. We find God's comfort for our pain in his, in his promises. For he empowers us to seize with both hands what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. Our unshakable hope, our unwavering faith sets God free to give yes to our prayer request, to say yes to his work in our lives, to say yes when we pray the promises of God. Unwavering faith, unshakable hope. Now, this is where Abram struggled. We've been studying the life of Abraham for the past month. We've been walking with him in his faith journey and his relationship with God. And uh, part of his struggle was that his faith um, and his hope was here today and gone tomorrow. His faith wavered and his hope would be shaken as he had to wait on God. Now, let me just catch us all up by giving you the timeline for Abram's life and his relationship with God. He's 75 years old. 75 years old when God calls him for the very first time, which says to me, God calls everyone of every age. 75 years old, and the call of God carries a promise of of God, a promise of an unprecedented miracle. The, The promise was this, that Abram and his wife Sarai would have a child, a son. And this would mean incredible miracle from God because Sarai, something was wrecked in her womb. Something was irreparably broken in her womb. And God says, you're going to give birth. You're going to get pregnant. And and you guys are going to have a son. And so... Abram moves in answer to God's call in his life, wanting to claim that promise for his family. Um, But then he runs into struggle. And and he sins in the midst of the struggle. Uh, Instead of trusting God, he takes matters into his own hands. And, um, And then at this time now, he's 85 years old. Still no pregnancy, still no son. And um, again, they're tired of waiting on God. In fact, Sarai suggests to Abram, hey, hubby, it doesn't seem like our sex life is going to give us a baby. Uh, You know what you should do? Maybe you should 
uh, go to bed with my uh, maidservant and she can give us a child. So Abram's like, hmm, oh yeah, I'll do that. So Abram takes the maidservant to bed and she gets pregnant in a heartbeat. I think her name was like Fertile Myrtle. Uh, No, her name was Hagar. But bam, as soon as she gets pregnant, that family, it causes such pain and ugliness. That family nosedives into deep dysfunction. And the bad thing is, this time when Abram takes matters into his own hands, has sex with the maidservant to get a child, um, God goes silent in his relationship with Abraham, just goes silent for 14 years. 14 years, Abram doesn't hear from God. And 14 in the Bible is a, is a, a number with tremendous implications. Ancient Hebrew, that language, uh, in that time, they didn't have numbers. And so they gave the letters of their alphabet numerical value. That's how they would count. And the Hebrew word for hand is yod. And, and the word yod in Hebrew has a numerical value of 14. That's, I mean, check, count the number of knuckles in your hand. You have 14 knuckles. But, but yod in the number 14 is not representative of my hand or your hand. It's representative. It symbolizes the hand of God. Abram sins. By taking matters into his own hands. Abram sins by trusting himself, going his own way with his family, with his relationships, with his finances. He sins by not trusting God. And God goes silent for 14 years. But then the time is fulfilled. And the 14 of God moves. And I think that when the 14 of God moves, God finds Abram doom scrolling. I mean, it's not like uh, he has an iPad or an iPhone or a computer or that he's even uh, news surfing on TV. No, in his mind, mentally and emotionally, he is doom scrolling. He's just running through his mind all the reasons that he's worthless. I, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I always mess things up. God has obviously given up on me. Have you been there? You don't have to have your phone. You don't have to watch the news on TV. You doom scroll in your own mind and heart. Telling yourself terrible lies about yourself. Well, God comes to Abram in that moment with the truth. Here's the word of God. When Abram was 99 years old, 14 years have elapsed. God comes, Abram's 99 years old, and God showed up and said to him, I am the strong God. The the Hebrew word is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. This is the very first time that God references himself as El Shaddai. This is the first book in the Bible and the very first time in all the Bible where God introduces himself as El Shaddai, the God who is all-sufficient, more than enough, abounding, exceeding beyond anything that you need. Now, it will be one of the most often ways that God references himself, but this is the very first time and he tells Abram, I'm the God 
who is strong for you. I'm the God. Don't try to take matters into your own hands. Don't go with your own schemes, your own plans. Trust me. I'm at work to your good. And here's what God, this strong God, this God who is more than enough. He says, that's who I am. That's what I'll do. Now, Abram, here's what you do. And he says to Abram, serve me faithfully and live a blameless. Now, that word in Hebrew does not mean perfect. It means a wholehearted life. With all your heart, worship the Lord. With all your heart, love the Lord. With all your heart, serve the Lord. You see, God is saying to Abram, here's what's holding you back in life. You're self-serving. You're not serving me. Serve me faithfully. Now, let's get this down on a very personal level. Is this what's holding you back in life? I mean, is, um, is a lack of serving God creating what you lack, what's lacking the lack in your life? A lack of joy, a lack of peace, a lack of hope, a lack of love, a lack of finances, a lack of friends. When we are consumed with Self-serving, it just leads to lack. But when we serve God, he fills to overflowing uh, with goodness and peace and righteousness and joy. I mean, when we live the promises of God, we live the promises of God as we serve the purposes of God. He's got a plan for your life. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. And you find your purpose as you live his promises and serve his purposes. And so there were two parts to this command that God is giving Abram. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless. Hebrew word means wholehearted. Life. Now, what gives, I mean, if this is so significant, what could possibly give a person a whole heart? Maybe you feel like your, your heart's been hurt. Maybe you feel like your heart's been damaged. Maybe you feel like your heart is shriveled away to nothing. What is it that gives you a whole heart? Well, it's two things. Wholehearted means unwavering faith and unshakable hope. When our hearts are filled with unwavering faith and unshakable hope, our hearts are whole and we can live a wholehearted life. And then God goes beyond promise. He said, I promised you and I promised you and you keep bailing on me. It's time for you to get back on track in your relationship with me, Abram. And if you do, I'm making you something bigger than a promise. I'm making you a guarantee. And God says, I will. I will guarantee to give you countless generations. It's going to start with one. It's going to start with a son. But it's going to cascade. It's going to tsunami. It's going to grow and grow and grow into countless descendants. And just something breaks inside Abram. And with this guarantee from God, he, he just falls on his face, goes flat on the ground, face down. Scripture says, at this, this guarantee from God, Abram fell face down on the ground. Now, what's he doing down on the dirt? 
This is an act of surrender. Oh God, I surrender to you. I'm so sorry that I keep taking matters into my own hands. This is an act of repentance. Oh God, please forgive me. I am so sorry that I keep screwing things up. This down in the dirt, face down, this is a cry for mercy. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is an act of worship. Oh, El Shaddai, the God who is enough, you and you alone are God. I surrender to you. Have mercy on me. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I love you and I will serve you and live a wholehearted life. Well, have you got that mental image? Abram is face down in the dirt. El Shaddai. The God who is enough, the strong God, the God all-sufficient and overflowing with abundance is pressing in on Abram. Remember in the garden when Adam has been formed but is not alive and God breathes into Adam the breath of life? That's what God does over Abram. He presses down on him and breathes new life over his soul. Here's what God says while Abram is down in the dirt. I'm changing your identity. I'm changing who you are. I mean, you've been a waffler. You've wavering faith. And here today, gone tomorrow, hope. Uh, No more. I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abram. Ham, Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. Abram means exalted father. But Abraham means father of many nations. Now, what's going on here? Well, in English, we see H-A. But in Hebrew, it's the letter hey. It sounds like breath because it means the breath of God. Um, God's name, Yahweh, has two hays, two letter hays in it. And he gives one of his hays to Abram, puts it right in the center of his name. Now in the Hebrew alphabet, hey is the fifth letter. It's the letter of God's grace. So God is doing more than changing Abram's name to Abraham. As God breathes on Abram, he's giving him a new to the heart identity. He is breathing his goodness, his grace, his favored goodness all over Abram's life to the core of his being. Let me show you. God says this is the everlasting covenant. This will not change. This is forever. This is forever. This is my forever promise. I will always be your God. There's no sin so bad. There's no sin you do so much. There's no sin you do so long. I will always be your God. I will always be your God. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will always, I will always be your God. And that's, that's his life. Changing message to you and I. I mean, if there's anything that I hope for me and if there's anything I pray for you is that that God will come close and breathe on us now. Breathe on our lives his favor goodness. 
Breathe in our lives his grace that is greater than all our sin. And that he will remind us, I am your God forever. I'm your God and the God of your children. Man, how how we need this. And maybe you think, well, hey, that Abram guy, that was a long, long time ago. I'm today, 2021. But friends, you, if you belong to Jesus, you are a child of Abraham. How do I know? It's what the Bible says. Let me show you. We are no longer racially separated, Latino and black, Asian and white, Jews or Greeks, or socially separated, rich or poor, slave or free, or gender biased, men or women. Check this out. But we are all the same. We are all Christians. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham and of God's promises to him. They belong to us. Yeah, the, the promise God gave Abraham. Thousands and thousands of years ago, but because God's promises are forever, what he promised to Abraham is his promise to me. This is one of the reasons. It's the promise to everyone who belongs to Christ. And this is one of the ways that you know you belong to Christ. You love all people, all kinds of people, all colors of people, all cultures of people, because we are all one. We are all Christians. And so this church, we're all inclusive. We love having a Latino element of our church family. We love uh, the black community and black people who are part of our church and our new life ministry. We love Asian people and Native American people who come to our church. We love white people. We love all kinds of people, all colors of people, all cultures of people, because that's a part of being a Christ follower, and we are one in him because of it. Now, this has tremendous implications for your life. If in the kingdom of God, you do not see colors of people or cultures of people, you respect colors, you respect cultures, but what you see, what you see is Christ and other believers. Man, there are implications for your life that will just blow your mind. The prophet of uh, uh, Jeremiah enunciated the implications uh, of being descendants of Abram. Abraham, check it out. Jeremiah says, and God is breathing on Jeremiah. So this is coming straight from God to you. They will be my people, God says. God speaking, God says, they will be my people and I will be their God. Now, what does this mean? What does this relationship implicate? Look, I will give them one heart and one purpose, which is to worship me forever. It's for their own good and for the good of their children. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Now, one of the things I don't want you to miss is that worship is good for you. It's a part of what makes you God's people, but it's also incredibly good for your children. And I will make an everlasting, unbreakable promise with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me and they will never leave me. And I will find joy in doing good for them. When you live the promises of God, unwavering faith, unshakable hope. God promises, I will never stop doing good for you. 
I will be your God and you will be my people. And I, with joy, it will be my greatest joy to do good for you. So you got to lay down your own schemes and set aside your own plans. In fact, when we learn to live this way, um, unshakable, unwavering faith that God is our God and, and God will never stop doing good for you and our unshakable hope that we are his and God will find joy in doing good for you. When that's how we live now, we get to live it forever in heaven. That's how the book of Revelation, when the Bible closes, it closes in victory. And this is a victory. Check this out. I heard a capital V voice. I heard the voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men, men and women. They're his people and he's their God. He's your God when you surrender to Jesus. In fact, I'll just be straight with you. This is why Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That God would be your God and you would be his son or daughter, a true descendant of Abraham. And you would know with unwavering faith that God will always be at work to your good. And you will know with unshakable hope that God's greatest joy is just being good to you. Let's pray about it. Our Father and our God, you are faithful. And we want to say, maybe we should be down in the dirt right now. We will in our hearts, Lord. We surrender to you. We, We repent of our sin of trying to go our own way, do our own thing. We We cry out for mercy. And we cry out with worshipful gratitude, Lord. You are so good. How did, oh my gosh, that we would have a God like you who is always at work to our good and finds great joy in being good to us. Lord, please change our identities. Breathe on us. Breathe your grace. Breathe your unending favor and goodness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Whoo, that's good news. I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.